So I have very good news for you, Ari. It turns out that there's a new variant of COVID. It's called the Mu uh, variant. Not not uh, Mu as in cowing Mu, but Mu as in, I guess, a Greek letter, M-U. I know the Greek alphabet. All right, he's, he's good. Unlike he's good. people who went to college. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it's the new variant. And that's the one we're supposed to be all, uh, you know, stressed about. So I think it's, you know, what's coming up. First of all, I think, isn't this great? You know, uh, you know, just when you thought the original COVID-19 was done and, and everything else, uh, then they spawn off another one. They grow up so fast, don't they? You know, it's really so sweet to see, you know, they, you know, COVID-19 just kind of comes and goes. But then it, it spawns another one called Delta and now, now a new one called Mu. And, and we're sp- supposed to be all excited about it, I suppose. I, I mean, it's, it's as if they, they cannot let a moment pass without some sort of terrifying scare still kind of lingering in the air. Right. Yeah, the next one is going to be called Global Warming, of course, and they're coming at a pace that I haven't seen so many sequels since the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes, I know. Well, that's what I was going to go into, because it is like the franchise, right? It's, it, it's as if, you know, they, they, they've discovered this great new movie, like, uh, you know, Disney bought the Star Wars franchise, right? So now it keeps on making these, these uh, Star Wars movies, which is fine. Now, we, you and I love that, of course. It's fun. But they know they have a built-in audience, like the two of us, for that matter. And uh, every two years, they'll make a movie that is Star Wars related, right? Some of them are good, some of them not so good. But still, they're going to make a lot of money of it regardless, right? And then there, there are toys, and then there's the action figures and other things like that. Um, and it's fun. I mean, it makes a lot of money. So they're discovering, I think, that the COVID uh, is just spawning off a great industry. That's, that's as simple as that. I, I, do, do I sound cynical? Perhaps, yes. But I, I don't even think it's cynical in the sense of making money off of it, although there's an element to that, too. I think it's more of an element of just perpetuating fear over and over again because they need to have that fear in the air all the time. So, yes, you can get rid of COVID. Oh, yes, the numbers are going down in COVID and everything. Oh, but there's this Delta thing and the Delta variant is far more dangerous and, uh, you know, it hits you twice as hard. Uh, and who knows about this Mu variant? It's, uh, you know, it's small right now, but boy, it's going to hit us later on. You'll see it's coming to a country near you. It's evading the vaccines. You know, even Israel, which did, they were good Jews and they all got vaccinated. Yeah. But now mm, their vaccines just aren't useful anymore. For some reason. I don't understand. I think they need a booster. Yeah, so it's it's always like that where they constantly are, are threatening the next uh, next terrifying thing to worry about, and uh, because you know, like the vaccine, for example, they and and Ari just brought up this point: the vaccine is not as effective as people thought. You know, even putting aside all the other concerns about the vaccine, uh, you know, the side effects and the adverse reactions, and in some cases even death and paralysis and amputations, all sorts of horrible things going on. But putting all that aside, let's just say that that is truly a very, very small figure out there. The, the, what we do know, and this is not saying this with any real concern, uh, uh, you know, the, sorry, this is not a fallacy at all, is to say that um, it may, may not be as effective as people had thought. You know, they thought it was the panacea, literally. But at best, it seems to be ha- to have been effective for about six months or so. Hold on, hold on. You mean... 
Those shovel-ready jobs aren't as shovel-ready as Obama thought. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm just... Yeah, it's true. It turns out it's just like a government uh, program, right? It's uh, the program that never actually delivers on, on what they claim it will deliver on, whether it's the millions of dollars to fix all the potholes or the billions of dollars to fix to improve the schools. Uh, it, somehow it just never seems to pan out, right? The potholes are still there. The schools are still crappy as ever. And uh, that, that's what it is. These vaccines are kind of like a government program in the, in the typical ordinary course, aren't they? And that's a very nice uh, observation. And, right? and they don't seem to be going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, and people, people are now throwing out that phrase. It looks like COVID is here to stay. Yeah, you don't say because you're putting it there here to stay. That's what you're trying to do. You mean, and when you say that, in that case, you mean as a media-created attention-getting event. Uh, viruses are, of course, here to stay. They are viruses. Yeah. Viruses, virus. Right. You know, so... They, they do their job. So, yes, you're right, Ari. Um, it's a media thing. It's, they're here to stay in every sense of the word. Viruses do stay. Uh, COVID will always be around. That's true. Um, and, and But the media frenzy about it doesn't need to be hysterical, but it, they want to be hysterical because, as they say, if it bleeds, it leads. So uh, let's, let's uh, move on a little bit to another kind of very unrelated topical, but, but maybe it's not so unrelated. I'm talking about delusional thinking. Okay, now what do I mean by that? Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> wow. what, what, what we're seeing is a lot of delusional behavior out there, right? I mean, it's, it's clear. So, I, I find it fascinating. I'm glad, I'm glad you picked a small topic, Barack. <laughs> you know, one with very little um, uh, area to tread upon. Yeah. We'll, we'll cover this in a couple of minutes. You'll okay. see. Uh, no, it, it may not be exactly where you think I'm going with this, but it's an interesting point, Ari. Imagine, if you will, the, the notion of a, of a typical delusion. Most delusion is unhealthy for you. Right, so if you, if you believe, let's just invent a delusion right now. If you believe that aliens are going to come to the sky and they're going to gobble up everyone who is under thirty, including your kids and my kids, um, and they're otherwise going to uh, infiltrate uh, our school system and so forth, you'd say, okay, that's unhealthy for you, mentally speaking, and eventually it's going to start because you're going to have a paranoia, and paranoia is not good, right? Uh, likewise, if you think, I don't know. If you're constantly concerned about the sun and you delusionally think that any degree of sun is going to give you skin cancer, uh, you're going to have a very unhappy life and it's going to actually hurt you in the long run. Maybe you won't get skin cancer, but you'll, you'll, you'll ultimately uh, have a very unfulfilled life and you'll be very unhappy. It's unhealthy for you, right? And you can go on and on with this, not just from uh, aliens and things like that, but also uh, delusions about, I don't know, the Russian collusion, for example. That's unhealthy for people to believe, right? Or you think the Rothschild conspiracy or the lunar landing. All these are delusions that you would agree are unhealthy for you. Now, here's the funny thing about this. People say, the atheists will say, that believing in God is a delusion, right? That that itself is delusional. And they try to say that it's delusional in the same way as, I don't know, believing in uh, Branch Davidianism or the James Jones cult, that sort of thing. It's delusional and it's unhealthy for you. And yet, it's interesting that believing in God actually is very healthy for you. 
right? This delusion, and I put that in air quotes, is quite healthy for you. The more you believe in God, and I'm talking about the Judeo-Christian God, I'm talking about that, uh, the more likely you will be very healthy. Your life will be not only prolonged, but also happier. And this is an interesting thing to me because when you think of delusions, you think that a delusion typically hurts you, either mentally or physically. And yet when it comes to believing in God, this delusion is actually healthy for you. Could it be, and this is my main point, could it be that when you look at a delusion, you, des- you decide whether it's a delusion based upon its negative effects, right? Its impact on you mentally or physically. If it's a so-called delusion that actually improves your life, maybe it's not a delusion. How about that? Or maybe the word delusion is a word without charge, meaning there's no negative, there's no positive to it. There are positive and negative delusions, as you said. So if you believe delusionally that you're Superman and you go up on top of a tall building and try to leap off of it with a single bound with the idea you're going to fly to the East Coast and you don't, and instead you splatter on the street, that is a negative delusion. But you're a lawyer, right? Was there a time in life that you weren't a lawyer? Yeah, of course. Did you want to be a lawyer when you weren't a lawyer? Yeah, of course I did. You do. Okay. So could it be argued that you deluded yourself in a non-negative way into believing, oh my God, this child named Barack Lurie could someday be a lawyer, right? right? And then you went through the process of achieving, right? To your point, to your point, I mean, little kids go about pretending that they are race car drivers or astronauts for that matter, or they're in battle some way or the other. You could say that's a delusion, but it's a healthy delusion. Or entitled white people. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) But uh, you can say that they're delusional, but they're not, of course. They're, They're actually, you know, practicing their effort to, to become something. They, uh, it's their, their vision of playing hero. They, they right. love, they love the heroes that they are. And it's very important. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop a child from uh, pretending he's in, he's in a rocket ship going to Mars. Uh, no, no, Johnny, we can't do that. That's delusional, Johnny, right? right? You would never say that. Yes. Um, but obviously if he's, if he's an adult and he really thinks he's going to Mars, that's another story. Yeah, well, or if he thinks well, that, that I, the TV I, is talking to him yeah. uh, in some way, that's delusional too. It's unhealthy. Uh, hey, Charlie, you, right, need to, do you need to get out there yeah. and, and meet some friends rather than talk to the TV. Yeah, but based on your example, I think what you've kind of sussed out in the in the proof of the math of this is that the accusation by the atheist that the believer is delusional and deluding themselves into living a pious healthy life because of a delusional belief in an invisible sky man is actually not delusional delusional is a negative term based on negative delusions there you not, go. Not the play acting that a puppy engages in when it's pretending to be an adult wolf or a, a young boy who wants to be a lawyer or a young boy who wants to be a policeman, you know? All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you a first here on the Brock Lurie podcast. That's right. Ari David, bring us back to the topic at hand. He actually brought us back. That, that is a first. And I say to you, bravo, bravo, my good friend. Yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Very, very hold good. Hold on, hold on. Cheesecake, 
cheesecake spaghetti. <laughs> I do not know. Okay, he's back. He's back to his sidetracking ways. Anyway, uh, Ari's point is correct that uh, the it, it is truly not a delusion. That's the point. You may think it's irrational, my dear atheist friend, to believe in God, uh, to believe in Jesus for that matter, to believe all those things. And yet, somehow, belief in the Judeo-Christian God is extremely healthy for you. We have study after study showing that not only is it good for people and gives them a sense of purpose, uh, but it actually helps raise children in a much far more productive and far more meaningful way to them. It's, it's almost as if uh, having God in your life is a necessary nutrient, if you want to think of it that way, since we're also scientific these days. Um, you wouldn't deprive a child of vitamin D, right? You wouldn't deprive a child of uh, vegetables. You wouldn't tell them to eat only sugar, for example. Are you kidding? All of these vax Nazis seem to have done so in yeah. the last year. So that's, that's another story. But the point is that... that if you see it that way, I mean, it looks, it looks like believing in God is actually a necessary part of a healthy life. In the same way that if you take away vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin, I mean, you know, you'll get scurvy, right, if you don't have vitamin C. Yeah, I think protein, that's the disease, right, you know. uh, protein. If you don't have those necessary nutrients, you will either die or at the very least uh, leave a very sickly life. And... I say the same thing when it comes to not having God in your life. You will lead an empty life. You will lead a purposeless life. Your, your DNA makeup, your biological makeup requires, whether you like it or not, requires a sense of purpose. Well, it's, in, it's instilled in you a sense of, of need for something greater than yourself, a sense of progress, not, not in a progressive way like the, we, we now think of it, but in a sense of moving forward. Um, it's it's in growing. us all. Yeah, growing. That's a good word. Growing, and and without God, you just can't have it. Now you may say, "Oh, well, what are you talking about? I don't need God to grow. I, you know, I I want to uh, write the next symphony. I want to write, uh, you know, invent the next invention. I want to, I don't know, uh, make the world a better place one way or the other through justice or otherwise." Uh, no, no, you, you you actually don't. If you actually live that way, it's it's a little bit like uh, saying. You know, deciding not to eat any more vegetables, deciding not to eat any more fruit, deciding not to eat anything healthy anymore. But you had eaten all those good things up to the point of your, let's say you're 40, and then decide, no, I just, I just want to eat sugar all the time. You know, for a couple of weeks, you'll, you'll be fine. And you'll say, look at me, I'm fine, I'm, I'm healthy. But after a while, you will, in fact, uh, develop diabetes if it's just sugar, right? Uh, but you'll otherwise be very unhealthy too. And you develop cancers. You'll, you'll develop a heart attack and, and stroke, God forbid, all those things. And then you'll wonder why. But that's, that's just the whole point is that your sense of purpose in life, your desire to do great things, uh, to, to cure that disease, to invent that invention, to, uh, to write that great screenplay, that, that all comes from a sense of purpose in, in you that has been instilled through the Judeo-Christian mindset. And I dare say that it's actually built into our human condition. God has given that to us, not, not some uh, random evolutionary concept. It doesn't make sense. And you know it doesn't make sense. All of you atheists out there, you, you know you don't even believe that for a second. You want to say that you're, we're just like the animals, but you know we're not. There's something different about us. We have this need for beauty, to seek art, to, to seek out music, to seek out purpose, to seek out 
the meaning of, of the universe for that and matter. And fun. And fun. Yeah. And many, fun. That's right. And, and you know, I was, you, you kind of covered it, but what was on the tip of my brain going through when you were talking about that was, and how many times does the atheist actually prove this to us by going to, say, Yosemite and then coming back and going, wow, I got my soul nourished by that. Yeah. Or going to a Guns N' Roses concert and having fun. Or going to a sporting event and having a great uh, communal activity of enthusiasm with other like-minded fans. You know, the the collective, the great collective activities that started in, in church and, and synagogue that are in other places of the secular world that give the same sort of fulfillments are not needed in the animal world. A horse, a dog, a cat has no need to go see Guns N' Roses in concert. In fact, the noise would probably be very painful for their ears. Well, yeah, exactly. but, but the atheist who doesn't even believe or claims they don't even believe the same way we do gets the same amount of spiritual satisfaction and nourishment for the same experience the way we would say they need to, right. and then they confirm their experience to us in their own words. We see that, uh, you know, we, we see these animal kingdom things all the time, right, where the, 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 the animal gets up, he hunts for food, he tries to mate, uh, and he tries to also survive, of course, those three things we talk about, uh, to mate, to eat, and not be eaten, right? Those are the three main things that... Uh, that, that any animal will do. And they do the same thing day after day, month after month, year after year. And we think to ourselves, gosh, that would be so... I mean, if we had that life where we just... That's, those are the only three things that we had to pursue, you know, mating. We still pursue mating, right? We, we pursue, still pursue eating. Uh, and, of course, we don't want to be attacked. But, we, but our, we know that our lives will be so meaningless, to live the exact same kind of life that a dog or a cat or an alligator or whatever you want uh, would lead. We, we'd say, oh, my gosh, that would be horrible. It's not horrible to it, the alligator or the cat or the no, dog, by the way. It would be incredibly boring. It would be, it would be boring, and we would feel like it would be tormenting. And we never ask ourselves why. The reason why is because we have a sense for greater things than just that. We want to do more than survive. We want to thrive. And... That is the essence of it, and only with God. You see, when you live a godless life, you are asking to view yourself as an animal. Yes, a more sophisticated animal, an animal that can talk and walk and all those things. And fill but they, they were to acquire welfare. Okay, well, that's I don't know. a great line. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that they, when you live that life, you're asking to be treated, to treat yourself like an animal. And, and that can't possibly be happy-making, right? So once you, once you accept God as a reality, I'm not even asking somebody to say, oh, just, you know, open up your heart to God and, and open up uh, your faith in God. I, I, you know, look, if, you have, if that's the way you get to God, fine. I, I, I think that we all are required to do much more than just have faith. I do. I know that that's uh, counter to uh, a lot of the Christian teaching, but... I'm not saying that faith is, shouldn't be there. I, I love faith. But I think you have an obligation, every one of us, to do much more. Now, you're and, making uh, the argument that the, the real faith in God, the real nourishment, comes from a living experience beyond the ritual uh, recitement of prayer yes. or the ritual uh, at what, what, eating bread and drinking wine. You're talking about that the experience is available to you each and every one of your interactions. Well, yes, I am saying that, and I'm also saying more specifically that I want people to get out there and find God, 
not just to believe that he's there, not to have faith that he's there, not to just open up your heart so that he can be there, but to actually actually pursue him. Uh, and I mean it. I mean to, to ask, look around the, your world and to say, why is it that I love this sunset? Why is this meaningful to me and it means nothing to a dog? Why is it that I resonate to music? In fact, why, do, why, do, why does everyone resonate to music? I mean, they may have, like different kinds of music. I get that. But why do they still like music, whether that's big band or jazz, rock and roll, rap, classical? Why? But animals don't really resonate to that. Why, why do we seek that? Uh, why do we seek art? Why do we seek purpose, ultimately? Why do we seek to know what's beyond our earthly borders? It, most of the, for, for virtually, uh, in fact, for virtually none of us, is knowledge of the galaxy have any meaning to us at all? No, it has no meaning. And, and if you think, okay, well, somehow that's going to be applied science later on in a couple, 10 years. No, it won't. Maybe in a thousand years, that applied science will apply. Right to know the speed day of light, light. How, how many how many light years this particular galaxy is away from us? Okay, maybe a thousand years. But you know what? I've got a feeling that the scientists studying that is not really studying it for the sake of our ancestors, or, or sorry, our descendants, a thousand years from now. I, no, he's not doing that. He's doing it for the sake of science, and he doesn't even know why he's pursuing science. He doesn't know why. We are instilled with a sense of science from God. <clears throat> and, I, and I put it to you, and the big question is why? Why would God instill us with that notion of science? He's given us the tools. Find me, he says. Find me. I'm giving you science to do exactly that. I mean, it's like, like those, uh, all those games that we have where there's, you only have a couple of tools and you've got to figure out, you know, what happened in this scenario. Okay, well, I've given you the tools. I've given you all the tools necessary to figure out what happened, whether it's a murder scene or some sort of other crime scene, right? I've given it to you. Now, find me. And I think God is crying out for us to find him all the time. <clears throat> He's given us numbers. He's given us probabilities. It's all out there. I found him. I know God exists. I know God is real. <clears throat> I don't believe in God. I know that there's a God. Do you know that there's a God? Yeah, and I found him too. And I don't live nearly the pious life you did. And you, you don't live a pious life. No, I don't. You li you're a very cool guy in the colloquial definition of cool. You know, neither of us are uptight church leader types. And we've both found God to the point where there is no belief. There's absolute total knowledge of. We right. see the signs of his existence everywhere. You know, and, and, the, and I'll ask you the question then, based upon because you and I, you just said what I wanted, uh, what I wanted to say as well. Are you a happy man? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And well, was I not happy before I found him? Yes. Yeah. And you and, and happy doesn't mean like oh I'm smiling all the time. Happy more in the sense of fulfilled. You know, do you have a sense of mission? Do you, are you now ready to proceed with your life? Let me. Let me you can't, okay. I'm just sorry. I, I want to hear what you say, but I want to make this very important point. You cannot proceed. How about that? You cannot proceed with your life without God. And this is the delusional thing that we talked about before, right? Del a delusion cannot help you with your life. It must, by definition, it, it retards your life, right? It slows you down at the very best. 
Pollutions are unhealthy. They're obstacles. Yeah, you've talked about this in a past episode. Ar the arguments that we shouldn't be bothering with versus right. the arguments we should be having. Right. Whereas when you do believe in God, it opens up your life. It, you, you can move forward in a way that you could not without God. It's just impossible. God gives us the ability to do great things. Atheists cannot do great things. They just can't. You know, I have this whole section about my book, Atheism Kills. You know, what, how many great discoveries, uh, scientifically or otherwise, were invented by atheists, by, by advocates of atheism themselves? I'm not talking about people who are just kind of a-religious, you know, who are not churchgoers. I'm talking about people who are really avid atheists. You won't find them. I, I, I have one example. I think Sakharov was a, was a Russian dissident. He was very into science, and he was very, um, very incredible in the nuclear field. But uh, he was an atheist. But that's it. I, I couldn't find anybody. Famous scientific atheists. Famous, well, sci uh, famous musical atheists. Famous whatever. It, you know, they, they don't do it. They may stumble upon a good tune. They may stumble upon a good story. They may stumble upon a good invention. But... It's not like they did it in the name of atheism. Yeah, but did Sakharov have a, uh, a hostility to God? In other words, uh, what I find, and we talked about this specific definition. That, that's a great point. Uh, did he have a hostility? I like that question. Did he have a hostility to God? The answer is no. Yeah, and that's why I wouldn't define him as much as... Um, I, I, what I glean most from your books is that there's a specific definition of modern atheism that you are coming on to here, which has a specific hostility to God, making it akin to almost a version of Satanism. And you talk about how they have so much faith that they're absolutely committed to that beyond reason, that they won't even look at reason because of this overarching hostility. And I think that's a, a, a distinction from atheists of the past ages, even as recently as the 70s and 80s of Sakharov's time, perhaps, where because of a certain lack of information, people defaulted to atheism, but would be more accurately described as agnostic, going, okay, I'm not sure. I have incomplete information. I don't want to absolutely conclude mm. one way or another. But the agnostic, in my opinion, doesn't have or doesn't harbor that hostility to both the idea or the faith. Yeah, no, you, got a, you got a good point about the hostility. I should, uh, yeah, there's no hostility. Sakharov didn't have hostility. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, look, there's always going to be an exception. He is an exception. It's never zero. Just like, uh, you know, right, I, 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 okay, okay, okay. Modern just, tech guys I, okay, or something. Let me, let's continue on. Just like I say, you know, I, you know, I always tout the health benefits of, of going vegan, right? Uh, but it's true that there are some vegans who have uh, breast cancer, who have colon cancer, have, have uh, heart attacks and such like that. But, you know, it's, it, there are far fewer of them. That's the point. And so, likewise, there, there are many good atheists. There are many creative atheists, too. But atheism as a concept is actually, it, they, they are so in spite of their atheism, not because of their atheism. And that's my main point. And now I want to get back to the delusional aspect of it. Well, can we just address the happiness issue for one quick No, no I, let, let, I want to hear that, but I want to get to the delusional aspect of it because the delusional side of things, who is the one who's actually delusional? The ones with the most faith, the modern atheists, obviously. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you tell me. Somebody that thinks that everything that we see around us is the product of random selection, 
survival of the fittest, and so on. And everything works out so beautifully with uh, free will, love of beauty, love of art, and developing a system as we have of democracy and freedom itself. Um, and that everything is so perfectly placed, that the cell is so incredibly complicated, and that the DNA structure... These, by the way, you know, DNA and the cell structure, and all, all those things were discovered way after, way after the theory of evolution. Way after. So when, when evolution was first uh, developed as a concept, as a theory, uh, people had the sense that the human body was more like a, a lump of clay where, you know, yeah, people kind of moved around and, and they, they, they knew that things were animated, but they, you have to kind of get into the mindset of the typical philosopher, the Darwinian way of thinking with what they knew at the time. They barely knew about the, the dinosaurs back then. They, they, they didn't know anything about the cell. They just thought of ourselves as... So it's, you can almost forgive them to see, well, look, you know, here's a, a white bear turning into a brown bear. Uh, you know, therefore, it must apply to, you know, creating of species altogether. Right. Like you know, in every sense. Like the agnostic of today, they, those early evolutionists had incomplete information and were just kind of making a guess. Yeah. But what's crazy, and I think it's kind of going where your point, it's amazing how, and this is, I think, where it connects with delusion. So forgive me if I'm going ahead of you here um, at the pace you want to go, but isn't it clear that nowadays that if you're clinging to that version of evolutionary thought, you're delusional. That's my point. That's exactly my point. Which is, who is the delusional one here? Yeah. And, and I put it to you. I, I, will, I put it to you. I, 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 wait, wait, wait. Can I just say something really fast? No, no, no. To that? No, no, hold on. I, I put it to you that if you, as an atheist or anybody, if you think that this, this world around us, with all the science that we now know, all the probabilities that you now know all came about randomly. And then I put it to you that you are delusional. The only way to look at and explain what you see here is that clearly there was a creator. Now, you don't have to believe that that creator is the same one that we believe in the Judeo-Christian Bible. You don't have to do that. But you have to acknowledge that there was a creator to the whole process. Now, we don't need to get into whether or not that creator created us and then stood back or got, gets involved in the ordinary course of, of human events. I, we, that's conflating a lot of issues. But you do have to acknowledge. And in fact, I'll tell you that you are delusional if you do not believe, if you do not understand, I should say, that there's a creator. In the same way that you are delusional if you look at, uh, you know, across the room and you fancy yourself seeing Napoleon talking to you. That's delusional, right? You would, we would all agree with that. Or, but to, to think that there's not a creator, that is delusional. Let's continue on with what you were yeah, about to say. I just to make uh, one point about this and then the, the happiness thing, if it connects, which is to illustrate the level of delusion in the upper scientific community these days on the exact issue you're talking about. A couple of years ago, my wife and I are talking to a relative who's actually an entomologist, a high-level one at, like, a university in Washington, you know, or a, bu a bug scientist. And my wife just said to her casually, 
Um, what, because it was Christmas time, so some of these issues were coming up, and this is a very straight-down-the-line atheist person. And my wife said to her, what if evolution, the theory of evolution is wrong? And the woman literally started shaking and said, oh, that can't happen. And my wife just said, well, why not? You're a scientist. Aren't you supposed to go where the data goes? She goes, everything we've done is based on it. Mm-hmm. Point is, when you hear trust the science, follow the science, 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 science from the scientific community these days, right. so many of them are so deluded and have gone down such a length of rail from the train station in the pathway of this delusion that they are unrecoverable. Science is so perverse right now in the delusion sphere that when you see real scientists in, in those soft scientists at that level of delusion, it's quite scary. You know, George Patton, General George Patton once said, when everyone is exactly in agreement on everything, it means that someone is not thinking. Bingo. And that is exactly what we're seeing today. And then what, what Ari just pointed out as well, they're very afraid to pursue it in a different way. But that's, you know, you're just going the wrong way. That's it. Sometimes you, you know, there's so many, so many examples and metaphors I can give in life. Sometimes you realize, uh, I know a lot of lawyers, for example, who they took, you know, they went to law school, they took the bar, you know, they, they did a whole bunch of time in, in the law and they realize, man, oh man, I want the, I, I just don't belong in the law. I don't, I don't like it here. It's miserable, and I want to be, uh, you know, a plumber, or I want to be a businessman. I, I want to do something else. I want to help out with the family business. That's where I belong. Fine, you know, but that's okay. we 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 respect that, right? Yeah, we respect people who say, you know what, I've i I'm gay. This I, I on the wrong track. I'm, I, I've I've just got to live my life. We, we I, you know, I got to change. I you know, I'm going to come out of the closet, right? And now, and in the trans world, of course, now we have sim- similar sort of discussion about. I I realize now I was a woman all along, and uh, I I've got to I got to change. I got to do. I want you to accept me. I want you to call me she from now on, and so on, right? And we applaud these people as heroes, of some kind. But somehow, when it comes to this notion of evolution, uh, and saying, well, you know what, we we've gone down the wrong path. They can't do it. They can't come out of the closet, so to speak. Right, with either evolution or the fact that, wait a minute, I think I'm a believer. Right. In, in God, separated from evolution. But the, the two in the sciences are so intertwined. The beautiful thing about uh, the notion of atheism versus God is that it really is a binary subject. You can't, it's like pregnancy, right? You can't be a little bit pregnant, right? You either are or you aren't. Okay, it's, or a little bit gay. <laughs> or that's a good point too, but uh, well, it's, it's not, that, not a perfect example because yeah, Jake, people say that there's Jake, a. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, Jake. no, no, no. Jake is a proud, healthy uh, heterosexual male. So anyway, we love you, Jake. But the point is that you know that they because they say there's a spectrum there. That in by contrast, the world of atheism versus God, it is binary. There is no in between. You can't have. You know, there's a little bit of God, you know, and sometimes in the same way that there's only a little bit of Ari in front of me. You know, I don't see, you know, one fourth of Ari. I see, <laughs> I see the whole Ari, right? Fortunately. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunately for me, but yeah. there, there you go. So the same sort of thing. If, if, if there's a God, then there's a God, period. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. It, it completely alters the picture. And likewise, if you believe in pure evolution, there can be no God, period. It cannot happen. 
If you said that there's, because it doesn't make sense. If, if you, let's say, well, what are you talking about, Brock? You know, there, there could be evolution. Well, idea, you, there could be evolution or there can be God. You, you know, because evolution, uh, you know, what are you saying? Okay, well, there's God. God created everything and God created the earth and all that stuff. And then he let go. And then, but why? Why would he do such a thing? That, that doesn't make why, any why sense would, at all. Why would the all-powerful being of the universe just retire? And also... I, I think there's a better word than evolution in this case, which is accidents, which is there's either a creator or there's accidents. Some of those accidents, according to the evolutionary theory, work, yeah. and some of them don't. But for some reason, and we've seen this cartoon over and over, and it's worth bringing up, for some reason, we see cat, we see monkey, and we don't see any of the fossil record in between the two. Of course not. No, 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 yeah, so we don't see anything. We don't see any of the mistakes. We don't see any of the uh, in-betweens, like you said. But we're not getting into the evolution part of it. I'm simply yeah. saying that there is, it's binary. It is purely binary. And, and you know, unlike in life, you know, with, with choosing to be a lawyer, right? Um, it's, you know, it's more than a binary choice, right? I could be a lawyer. I could be a doctor. I could be a plumber. I could be a, a radio broadcaster, as I am, right? I could be an author. I could be an electrician. I could be, I don't know, a construction worker. I could be a developer. There's a, tons of things I could be out there. It is, life is not binary, for somebody in that situation. Yet we respect him if he decides, okay, I went down this path, didn't like it, I'm going to pursue some other, uh, some other path, right? We expect him to do that. Likewise with an inventor, right? When in, Thomas Edison, he famously said, I, I did a thousand, uh, I, I didn't fail uh, a thousand times. I, I discovered a thousand ways that, it, that, that, that don't work, right? Um, and yet, he kept on going, plodding along. Oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Okay, this does work. Boom. Okay? Why, why can't it be the case with, with evolution? But they decided that it's only this way, and they're trying to force a fit, like a kid you know, trying to f force a puzzle piece into the puzzle when it, it doesn't belong yeah, there. Yeah, and we understand why that analogy is so brilliant, because we understand that Thomas Edison, brilliant as he is, is still a man. God is God. Yeah. And God doesn't make mistakes. Well, okay, so, right, I mean, it's a little bit different from what I'm saying, but I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying, but it's binary. And at this point in our, you know, the atheists will always say, the more we learn about the universe and the cosmos and such, the, the more we learn that there is no God, right? Yeah, but I'm saying the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. The more we learn, the more, the more we know that there is a God. That's, that's the whole point. And I think that's the point of science, first of all. I think it, science was a tool to find God. Uh, but the more we learn, the more complicated everything seems to be, the more puzzling everything is. And the atheist will answer, well, you know, but that's just a question of time. We'll figure out why things are all the way they are. Just give science some time. No, I can't because... First of all, the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. And the more we and, learn. And so, so we're, we're, we're chasing a, uh, a running, you know, we're chasing after our train, right. as and, it were. And the more we learn, and you've said this before on multiple episodes of this, you've written about, the more we learn, the more we see Genesis is scientifically accurate. Yeah. How did primitives, scrawling in some primitive language, get that right? Yeah, they happen to get How? everything right, yeah. But that's another reason why I believe in the Bible, uh, because of, of that. But I believe in the Bible. I, I don't know that the Bible is real, but I strongly believe that the Bible is real. That's very different than what I say always about God. 
there is a creator. Right, there's right. no doubt about that yeah. to me. You say you say you know there's a God and you believe and you believe most likely it's the God of yes. the Bible. Yeah, it's a big distinction between the two. And I, I always tell my Christian friends, please, if you want to convince somebody, don't start off right at the top with, with Jesus, right? Uh, please, please don't. Or don't I, I, start off with the earth is 5,000 years old. I mean, that's, well, no, uh, but, but that's a way of getting people very confused. It, gets, it gets very confusing because, yeah. you know, look, you think of it, and this is a compliment to our Christian friends. Think of uh, Jesus and the story of Jesus, the New Testament, as advanced calculus, Okay. If you threw advanced calculus to a kid and said, hey, you know, here's, here's what it's all about, believe it or not, and the kid would say, this, this is so confusing, I reject it, right? But if you start off with, hey, two plus two is four, there's this thing called numbers, and then there's this thing called subtraction, and then there's this thing called addition and, and uh, multiplication and division, yeah, and you, you work yeah. your way up. Start off with the, the notion of the probabilities. You've got to start with that. Yeah, first what? build, first, I always say, no God, no Jesus. Okay, if, there, if there ain't no God, then there ain't no son of God, right? right? So start off with God. Just start. Yeah, and yeah, but, first of all, yeah. prove it to yourself. Prove it to yourself. Get out there. Get the probabilities. Factor it away. And first of all, it's very exciting. It's really quite cool. It's, it's very fun to make the ridiculous uh, uh, comparison of probabilities that life would happen the way it did. Uh, so, for example, my favorite one is uh, when, when you go at the top of the Empire State Building and you have any number of uh, Scrabble sets, okay, uh, the right amount of Scrabble sets, and you throw them all over the, the top of the building randomly from the top of the Empire State Building, and they all land not only face up, but all in perfect sequence uh, to, to uh, lay out uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet, Okay. And, and that's, that's how far-fetched the notion of life hand, happening randomly on this earth would be. And it's not just that. It would have to happen 100,000 times in a row, okay, with no mistakes in between. Probably 100 million times in a row. Yeah, pr probably. trillion times in a row. So it, it's so obscenely illogical. So to, obviously to believe otherwise, to, to think that it, it would happen randomly, that, that is a delusion. That is Okay? I mean, it's, it, it is. If, if you were to say, you know, most people think that if O.J. Simpson, for example, if you were to say that, just knowing the facts that you do, to say that, that, that the knife plunged into, you know, the, um, Nicole. the Nicole and, uh, what's Ron. his name, Ron, John, uh, Ron um, Goldman, and that they happened to just kind of walk around and then these knives, you know, slit their throats exactly at the same time, exactly the way they did by random... Uh, by randomness, he would say you're delusional. Yeah, well, right? OJ was in Chicago. All I'm saying is there was a murder, <laughs> right? Yeah. At the very least, there was a murder. Now, whether oh, you can say, okay, well, we don't know, we agree with you, there's murder, whether OJ was the one, I think it's pretty clear too. But there's varying degrees of probabilities here, right? Was there murder? Yes. Yeah, okay? was it OJ's wife? <laughs> Turns out to be. Right. Was it OJ's neighborhood? Yeah, it was. <laughs> right. But you get the idea, right? So, but you would say somebody's delusional, right? Even the atheist was here, delusional. But my friend, my atheist friends, you are delusional. You don't get to see it. You don't see that, do you? And it's, you know, you can take that as insulting as you want. But I'm just, I'm speaking truth to power, as it were. I, I'm simply saying, you, you are not looking at the numbers. That's your fault, not mine. I've looked at the numbers. I know how these all add up. You, you're a fool, a fool. 
to not understand that there's a God. Anyway, this is my point. This is all about delusions. Delusions. And I put it to you, now this particular delusion of believing in God, and again, I say that in air quotes, is no delusion. A delusion holds you back. If this were truly a delusion, you would expect people who believe in God to live very unhealthy, very unproductive, very destructive lives, but instead we see them to to live very healthy lives. to, to, To advance in the... In, in the future of our society. This is what happens when you, when you embrace God. And all the, the great advances that we've had, we, we owe thanks to the Judeo-Christian world. You cannot deny that. We have the historical record. There's a historical fossil record, so to speak. Look at what, what, what religion has done for the world. You can't, you can't reverse engineer that and say, oh, it wasn't so. You, my atheist friend, you are the delusional one. And my, my, my fear for you is that you are leading a very destructive, counterproductive, and very unhappy life. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.